Well, happy Mother's Day to uh, Renaissance Church. I don't know of any holiday, <laughs> any holiday that raises such disparate uh, kinds of emotions. Yes? There's a woman who is here today whose mom is fading from life in this earth. It says something to her. There are women here, I think there are women here, I don't dare say this unless they tell me first, that are expecting children right now. Right now. Hopefully we'll not have them during this service, though. There are uh, women here who have not had children and would love to have children. So when you come to Mother's Day, there's no other holiday like that, that uh, you have people weeping on the one hand and rejoicing on the other hand. And, and the only thing I can say is that I know a God who weeps with those who weep and who rejoices with those who rejoice and who is teaching us how to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Kind of glad that I'm talking about a woman this morning. In fact, I'm talking about a woman this morning from the Bible who, as far as we know, uh, was not a mom. She had a mom, obviously, but she was not a mom. Never had children, at least as far as we know. Her name is Hadassah. That's Esther. Hadassah is her name, but Esther is her given name in the country where she lived. And Esther has a, uh, a message for us today. And on the 29th, when I'm back again, Lord willing. But before I get to that, I want to see if you can, you can recognize what these people have in common. Let's go and look at those names. Mordecai Ham, Lee Jong Rock, Alice Catherine Evans, and Ilona Pendel. I think you heard that my name is Peter Pendel, so you'll see something there that I have in common with one of those. But, but I'm suggesting that those four people have something in common, and I suspect that you don't recognize what it is, unless you've heard this message preached once before at my home church at Millington Baptist. They have something in common. Let, let me give you some names on the, the other side of the ledger from them. Mordecai Ham is linked to Billy Graham because Mordecai Ham led Billy Graham to faith in Christ. You don't know Mordecai Ham, do you? We know who Billy Graham is, don't we? Yeah. If you'll go one down and you look at Lee John Rock, you'll see uh, a word over there called Babies Rescued because Lee John Rock was a pastor in South Korea and he saw babies being left beside the road to die because moms, for one reason or another, could not take care of them. And so he rigged up a box to attach to the side of his house so that people could anonymously bring their babies there and the babies would have a chance to live. And I have no idea how many babies were rescued in that way, but uh, Lee Jung Rock is the one behind that. Alice Catherine Evans is another one, and I have linked her to pasteurization of milk. She worked for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and she found that uh, bacteria grows in milk if it's left too long, especially if it's not pasteurized, and she saved many, many lives, though her experiments were not respected until others verified them in their labs as well. And then the final one is Ilona Pendel, and you'll see Peter Pendel beside her because Ilona Pendel is the wind beneath my wings who has dreamed dreams with me for 48 years and has gone out on some really crazy ideas with me because she loved me and she was committed to me as, as, as uh, her husband. The people on the left-hand side of that, I'm giving them a title. I'm saying that they are unsung heroes. Here's what I call unsung heroes. Unsung heroes are people who make a substantive yet 
unrecognized contribution, people whose bravery is largely unknown or unacknowledged. And you will find them in every period of time, you will find them in every culture, every nation, every generation has unsung heroes. Some of those are discovered and they're known as time goes on. Many of them are never known, though some are discovered after they have passed from this life. They're called unsung heroes. It seems to me that there might one or two, be one or two mothers here who is an unsung heroes. And dads, I, I, I get that. It goes beyond mothers. But if there's any group of people that seems to me to be a typical of unsung mothers, it's, it's mother, of unsung heroes, it is, it is mothers. And we're going to look at one of those today. Unsung heroes. We're looking in the book of Esther. That's a book in the Old Testament of the Bible, in the Hebrew section of the Bible, and it's a story from ancient times, much of which I don't really understand. I, don't, I, I confess to you, I don't understand all the decisions that were made there, even by the heroes of the day that we look back on now and respect them in, in great dimensions, but nonetheless, I bring that message to you from the book of Esther, because that's a part of the story of God as he wrote out the story for us. There's two heroes in this book of Esther. One of the heroes is never named, but he is seen. He is God. In fact, you might be surprised to know, if you hadn't heard it before, that the book of Esther does not use the name of God at all. At nothing. Nothing about God. At least on the surface. The book of Esther doesn't say anything about praying. It doesn't say anything about the things that you would expect that people who are related to God would do. It just kind of omits it. But what it does is it tells a story from history that is so laden with the fingerprints of God that you look at it and you say, well, of course he's there. I see his fingerprints. I don't see him named, but I see his hand at work. From my research, I also have discovered and am convinced that the book of Esther was written in a time when if you were to give the full story of God's presence in the midst of the people, you would be persecuted and perhaps put to death. And so it's a very subtle message concerning God's presence in the midst of his people, saving them from certain disaster and a holocaust of that day. So God is one of those heroes in the book of Esther. But the other hero in the book of Esther is not God, and it's not Esther, it's somebody else. And I'd like to bring you up to date because we're going to jump into chapter 2 of Esther. And I want to bring you up to date of what's happened in the first chapter of Esther, especially if you're not familiar with that book. We are in the middle of the 5th century B.C., before the time of Christ. And a man named Asherharis, also known as Xerxes in history, is the king of Persia. He is a brutal dictator. He is a misogynist. He takes care of every, or takes advantage of everyone, but, but especially women. And you'll see that in the events that take place in the midst of it. Women are for his pleasure and not anything to be considered in terms of treating them decently. But that is spread not only women, it is spread beyond women likewise. His people include the Jews, because the Jews were taken from their kingdom, Judah, in the capital of Jerusalem sometime before this, and they were taken to Babylon, as Babylon was the major power at the time. But now the, the Persians have taken over the kingdom of Babylon, and they are in charge of it, and therefore they have the Jews under their leadership. 
Chapter 1 tells us from the book of Esther that uh, Xerxes has a wife, and her name is Vashti. But as he was uh, known to do, he would take advantage of women, not caring for them in any real sense, and wanting to use them only as decorations on his table. And she did not please the king, and so she's gone from the scene. I have no idea what happened to her. I don't know that he killed her, but she's no longer around, and so we have a single king. We come to chapter 2 as we come to that point. And so I read from chapter 2 just to bring you up to date with what's going on. Later, when the anger of King Xerxes had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what he had decreed about her. Then the king's personal attendants proposed, let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful girls into the harem at the citadel of Susa. Let them be placed under the care of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women, and let beauty treatments be given to them. Then let the girl who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. The advice appealed to the king, and he followed it. The very next step, we come to the unsung hero that I want to talk about today. His name is Mordecai. Mordecai is the uncle of this young woman, and I call him an unsung hero partly because he gives her a chance, and that's what unsung heroes do. They give other people a chance. They're not out to advance their own cause. They naturally do some of that, but, but really they're, they're out to give somebody else a chance to live and to reach the potential that they have. In fact, his name is Mordecai, and he's the one who gives Esther a chance. He has adopted her. She's his niece, but her parents have died, and so she has to have someone to care for her, so he adopts her. He cares for her. He mentors her. Let me read to you from verses 5 through 7. Now there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin named Mordecai, son of Jer, the son of Shimel, the son of Kish, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captive with Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This girl, who was also known as Esther, was lovely in form and features, and Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. And what he does as an unsung hero is what unsung heroes do. They put those people that they are encouraging and advancing in places where they can live out their potential. That's exactly what he does. Let me read to you a little bit more from this same scenario in verse 8. When the king's order and edict had been proclaimed, many girls were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Esther also was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who had charge of the harem. He not only takes her there or ensures that somebody else takes her there so that she can have this chance to become the, the queen of the king Xerxes, he likewise guides her. Let me go again to verse 10 and 11. Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Every day he walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. He guides her and she, she becomes queen, largely because she has Mordecai as her unsung hero, not recognized, but taking care of her. Verse 17 says it, Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women, 
and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And next time I come on the 29th, we'll find that he even goes a further step beyond that. He pushes and prods her, which is what she needs in order to reach her full potential, what we all need. And we need an unsung hero who will not get in the spotlight himself or herself, but will push us, prod us, until we finally go to that spot that we should go to. Sounds like a good parent, doesn't it? Yeah? You had a good parent? I had two good parents. It's exactly the role they played in my life. Sounds like a mom. There's lots of times the dad will be recognized, but the mom will not be recognized. That's where the unsung comes in. Unsung heroes. In fact, I heard someone say, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may be through your children. And I am one of those who says that is exactly what's going on in my life through my daughter and maybe someday through my son. So what we do for our children matters, and the role of unsung hero is an honorable spot for us to serve in, not getting in their way or getting ahead of them, nor getting in the spotlight that they should have, but somehow standing beside them and taking care of them and making sure that they become all that God has intended for them to come. That's what an unsung hero does. And moms and dads do that. And you may do that for your children, or you may do that for the girl in your brownie troop, or you may do that through the man you mentor at work, or you may do through that through the woman who lives down the street. Or you. We don't have to limit this to parents. We don't have to limit to mothers. This is just people who get in that position and encourage somebody else without taking the spotlight away from them. And they rise to the top. Mordecai gives Esther a chance. That's what an unsung hero does. The second thing I see in Mordecai here about him is he is content to live in her shadow. And if there's anything that really identifies him as an unsung hero, or you, it is that you're content to live in the shadow of the other person. When they rise up, you don't have to be seen. You can stay in the background. It's a tough task, because most of us, we want the spotlight. But the unsung hero stays in the background while the other person moves forward. That is the mark of an unsung hero. Now, please understand, Mordecai is not a slouch. Mordecai is a man for the moment. Mordecai lives in the citadel of Susa. Susa is one of the capitals of the kingdom of Persia, and the citadel would be that protected area where the really important people live. That's where the king would live. That's where the queen would live. It is either a castle or a walled area of the city or a prominent high place even with a tower where people could run and they could be protected if indeed the hordes come after them and they can't stop them at the outside. They, they go to the citadel and anyone who lives in the citadel, especially an immigrant like this man, and that's exactly what he is, is an immigrant, one of the conquered peoples of the empire's of the time, he lives in the citadel. So don't think of him as somebody who doesn't know what he's doing and is not very important. He has a measure of honor and trust that is amazing when you think about what goes on in those ancient times. He lives in the citadel. But he doesn't demand recognition. Somebody has said it's amazing what you can get done if you don't demand the honor that comes with it. Managers who are good, that's what they do. CEOs who are really good, 
That's what they do with their people. Pastors, that's what they do with their people. They make sure that they get the honor, and it doesn't matter if they get it, and they get all kinds of things done in the process because they've allowed somebody else to be the hero. And they remain the unsung heroes of the day. It doesn't demand recognition. It has to be Mordecai who gets Esther the chance to audition before the king. Or if he doesn't take her, then he makes sure that somebody else takes her before the king. At the end of chapter 2, Mordecai saves the king's life, but you'll notice that his recognition for that doesn't come until years later, nothing at the moment when it happens. And he doesn't demand it. He doesn't make his name known. He is indeed an unsung hero. Unsung heroes are unsung. They're not looking for applause. They help people. They, they, they help people uh, get to their level of, of greatest accomplishment because when they do that, they contribute to a larger story that matters more than the hero or the unsung hero himself or herself. That's just what they do. The greater good is served by them. In this case, it's the preservation of the Jewish people because a Holocaust is coming. And it is averted because of what happens in these early chapters of the book of Esther. And you'll see that if you read the book of Esther. Your Jewish friends, or if you're Jewish today, you are going to celebrate Purim. It is the one holiday that is celebrated by the Jewish people down through the years. Without, without, wherever they are theologically, they celebrate Purim. Why? Because of what happens here in the book of Esther. It's worth your reading for your friends if you're not Jewish background. Why do I care about that? Why do I spend uh, 15 minutes talking about the background of this, uh, this woman Esther and Mordecai and the unsung hero who takes care of Esther? I do it because I would like to have you this morning identify the unsung heroes in your life. In fact... I think it's so important that we take a moment, and I'm going to be quiet, and that is very unusual for me to be quiet, but I'm going to be quiet for a moment because I'd like to have you isolate. I mean, you have so many of them. I have, I have so many of them. I have so many unsung heroes. I was in one church for 30 years. You don't stay in a church without unsung heroes. You don't stay for a year, but you surely don't stay for 30 years. There were, there were tons of people, some of them still alive, some of them still there, who stood behind me and made me look like I knew what I was doing. That's what an unsung hero does. He makes you look good. She's a great vice president. She, she's somebody who's a manager in her department that makes the next person up look good. That's what an unsung hero does. Somebody did that for you. And it's somebody who's coming to your mind right now, isn't he? Isn't she? It comes immediately when you think about it. It's somebody maybe sitting next to you, or it's somebody who's already passed away, or, or it's somebody who's, who's, who's living in another part of the state or the country. You've got your unsung heroes, don't you? Isolate one of them. Just underline that name in your mind, wouldn't you please? Because I'd like to ask you to do something. This is not hard. It's going to take your time. It's going to take some focus. What I'd like to ask you to do is to thank them. That's not hard, is it? Ah, thank them. Somehow find, excuse me, first of all, honor them. I'm, I meant to say that before thank them, but I get those two mixed up because they sound so much the same. I, I'm saying honor them. I'm saying find some way to let other people know that this man, this woman, is part of the wind beneath your wings that has allowed you to be a success that you are today. You say, well, I'm not a success today. Well, you've got areas of success in your life 
and you may not be known and recognized as a great hero, that's okay, that may come or that may not come, but, but I'm simply saying that there are areas of success in your life and you owe something to some other people who are not recognized for contributing to your life and allowing you to be the success you are today in that area of life. And I'm just saying, honor them. Find some way so that they can know that they have contributed to your life. Do you know what that means to them? Do you, you realize what it means to somebody who's uh, nobody's as old as 72, not in this room at least, but do you know what it means for somebody who's 72 or 71 or 38 to know that they've contributed to the kind of success that you're having today? That's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to honor them because without them, in some sense, you would not be where you are today. Now, you have to be careful to do that as you do that because it's easy for you to get in the spotlight. That's what you do. <laughs> That's what I do. I get in the spotlight. And they won't want to accept that honor because that's what they do. They stay out of the spotlight. So you're going to have to find a way. I did it. First time I preached this message was about a month ago. My wife wasn't present. Because <laughs> if she had been present, she would have said, no, don't say that. Use another example. Because that's what unsung heroes do, friends. Yeah. Get a trophy with her name on it. That sounds silly, doesn't it? Not silly. No. Uh, write a letter. Um, all right. Send an email. It's not nearly as good. Uh, if you remember how to write with a pen, if somebody would help you, an old person would help you write a card. I mean, I know it's going to take a while to do that, but just carefully write the card. And write it with a pencil so you have an eraser. That's probably the better way to do it. But somehow, do that. Because not only is that good for the person that you're writing to, let me tell you, it's good for you. Because the major problem with people who succeed and the major reason why they fail and fall is called pride. And what you do when you put it into writing or you thank them thoughtfully for the contribution they've made to your life that has helped you to become what you've become today, some measure of success in some area of life, recognized or not recognized, that doesn't matter, is what you're doing is you're putting the, the damper on pride in your life because you're recognizing that you are indebted to somebody else for the success that you have. Yes? Here's what pride does. Proverbs talks about it all the time. Here's one place it talks about it. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. What you really need today is humility if you succeeded, because out of humility comes wisdom. Here's another one that you may have heard before. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. I I'm telling you, you look at the heroes who fall, whether they're sports figures or the CEOs or, or they're, they're, they're pastors or they're evangelists or whatever they are, if they fall, there is, a, there is a germ of pride that has found its place to lodge in their hearts. If you honor somebody in some way that is meaningful, then you know as well as I do that it's going to tamp down the pride, which is the natural result of success. So honor them. And then thank them. Find some way to thank them. Find some way to say it. Uh, Something quiet and lasting, uh, 
that's what I mean by an email or a letter because they can print that out and they can put that in a file or they can put it in their, 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 their file on their computer and they can have that. And when the days come and they feel like their lives are wasted and they really haven't done much and contributed much and they don't have much left over, they can turn back to that file. And I have that file. I keep that file because I know the day is coming and those days come when I can look back and I can say, oh, okay, I guess, I guess, I guess my passing through this life mattered to somebody. And they need that. And again, if you thank them thoughtfully, what you're doing is you're tamping down the pride of accomplishment in your life. I talked to a woman who works in the office out at Millington the other day, you know, and she wasn't there on that Sunday, but she, I guess she listened online, I'm not sure. But, but she said, you know, I wrote to my teacher down in Westfield. I said, really? Is that right? Yeah, I wrote to my English teacher. Now she's out of school for probably... I guess 20 years, 15 years, but she wrote to her, do you realize what that means to a teacher? An English teacher? Everybody hates English teachers. <laughs> they write with red on your paper. Yeah. You can feel it, can't you? I can feel it, how good that feels. It's not hard to do this. You honor them, you thank them, one more. This is hard. Become them. Yeah? Anybody can become an unsung hero. Anybody. Anybody. If I can put pride aside and I can get out of the spotlight and I don't have to drop names and I don't have to take the credit for what happens in somebody else's life, anybody can become an unsung hero. All it takes is for me to make the decision, I don't care if I'm recognized. I don't need a pat on the back. It's okay if nobody knows that I'm behind his success or her success. And then the second thing you need to do is you need to choose somebody you're gonna stand behind as the unsung hero. Your kids, sure, that's fine, absolutely. The guy at work down the hall who really bugs you, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe him or her. The pastor who serves you week by week by week? Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of unsung heroes in my background. Some of them were, I thought at the time, thorns in my side. <laughs> but they were behind me. And, and they helped me. And they shaped me. And today, I relate to them in a whole different way. Because I'm retired and they moved away, so there's no more bump and grind with them. <laughs> but they were behind me. They were behind me, and whatever measure of success I had, it is because they were there. And then I'm, if I do that, if I say, I, I'm going to be an unsung hero for him, I don't, I'm not going to look for any credit, and, and I'm going to do it for this person or these people or these five people in my life, and I'm not going to look for them to even recognize it. In fact, they're not even going to know that I've made this decision on a Sunday morning in May of 2016, but I'm going to get behind them. I'm going to, I'm going to Push them and prod them when they need to be pushed and prodded. And we'll see that in chapter, chapter uh, uh, 4 when we come there on the 29th. But uh, I'm going to be behind them. <laughs> and lo and behold, what you become is exactly what Jesus modeled and told us to become. Yes? Yes. A, a servant. A servant. Here's the master speaking. He said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, 
and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. I'm just talking about being like Jesus. That's all. Just being like Jesus, empowered by him. Let me wrap this up with a quick story. I became a Christian in 1966. In fact, it'll be 50 years on June 8th of this, uh, this year, and I'm going to celebrate. Um, I came home from the service, went into the real estate business, got two years of college. In that time, met Ilona. We were married once I graduated, and she finished teaching public school for the year. Summer came. I stayed in the real estate business. She taught. We thought that was it. We had no idea there was anything else down the road. But God laid it on my heart that I had to do something else. I didn't know what it was. But I knew that it probably meant college. And so I went home to her one day, and I told her what I thought God wanted us to do. And she fainted and fell to the floor. And after I got the smelling salts, she said, I didn't hear God say that. <laughs> now, what do you do then? <laughs> so, so I said, okay, here's what we do. I don't talk to you about it. I don't pray with you about it. Because I am an expert at twisting arms. And I'll twist your arm. So we won't talk about this unless you come to me and you say, I think God wants us to do this. I don't know the time after that, maybe it was a month, maybe it was two months, she came to me and said, we need to do this. It was one of those first steps where she became the wind beneath my wings. She was the unsung hero who would bear some of the burdens and never get the compliments that I got who would have me come home discouraged and beat up from, from something that happened at church. And, and nobody knew that she was the one that was picking me up off the floor. She, she, didn't get the, she didn't get the thank you, Ilona. I got the thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Peter, for doing this or that. She didn't get that. But she faithfully served as the unsung hero in my life. Unsung heroes. Would you please become one? Would you decide, I am going to get in the background for him, for her, for them, and I am going to be happy with that so that they can thrive and become all that God wants them to be? That's all I'm asking you to do. For those who, who have been your hero, find some way to honor them, find some way to, to thank them, and then, and then become them. What they've done for you, you do for somebody else. And in the process, what you do is you obey Jesus and you become like him, servant of the living God. Yes? Let's pray together, please. Father God, I thank you for the people who have held me up and supported me and challenged me and corrected me and pushed me and prodded me and whose names will never be known by anybody except you unless that uh, becomes apparent in heaven. Lord, would you move in us even now? Some of us are thinking of people that we need to go back and honor and thank. We are also thinking, Lord, of people that we need to be the person in the background for, that they might move forward and we might serve them like others have served us. So God, we give these ideas and these thoughts to you and we say, yes, Lord, I'll do that.
And I'll be glad to do that, for I want your smile. At the end of all things, Lord, I want your smile and your well done. And we pray that in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.